What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the J-Ham Special, where I love to talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40K, Dungeons and & Dragons, and other aspects of minority life. My name is John, I'll be your host for this episode of Magic Monday. For this episode, I really actually wanted to focus in on choosing a commander deck for Magic the Gathering. I know a lot of new people that have gotten into the hobby due to Magic the Gathering Arena, or have gotten into it from just playing casually with some different cards, never had built a commander deck before. So I'm gonna go over what the format is, what you should expect from some of the different games, and then also how I would get started with building your own commander deck. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Alright, so we're going to try this again. Um, just some, I guess, movie magic behind the scenes for you. I've tried to record this thing like three or four times now, and every time I've tried to do it, the segment that I've recorded, they end up just not loading in or saving. So, I mean, I might be just doing a quick like cliff notes or speed through, so I'm sorry if the quality of the content doesn't go through, but I'm going to try my best to make sure I hit all the points to help you build and understand Commander. So for those of you that don't know, maybe you've just started playing Magic the Gathering, maybe you have, you know, heard about this, but you don't really know all the details of it, or maybe your friends have taught you how to play this and you just want to learn a little bit more about it, um, Commanders is the sponsored format by Wizards of the Coast that used to be called Elder Dragon Highlander, or EDH. EDH began as a format created by Magic Judges, the guys that would go through to make sure everybody is going to make sure people are following the rules, that they're reading the card to explain the card, and any weird like rules infringements or stack, they would help that resolve. During their downtime, they would do Elder Dragon Highlander, where they would make a 100 card deck, where it was a singleton deck. That's where the Highlander comes in play. There can only be one. If there is a named card in your deck, there can only be one copy of it there. So if I decide to play something like Captain of the Guard, I can only have one cop captain of the guard in the deck, I cannot have another captain of the guard. Um, however, you could have some weird things like you have Jace Memory Adept and then Jace Ingenious Mind Mage if you wanted to, because they're technically two different named cards, even though the same character. But back in the day when they were playing, they didn't really have like legendary creatures. The best thing that they had were Elder Dragons. These Elder Dragons would helm the commander slot, as we call it now, and they would lead the entire deck. They acted as your general for the entire deck. These were the Elder Dragons like Nicol Bolas or Chromium. Depending on which one you chose, you would play with the colors they had. So if you're playing Nicol Bolas, the Elder Dragon version of him, way back, um, I forget which set it is, but it's from back in the day, it would be red, black, and blue. Those are the only colors, and I guess colorless, that you can involve into your deck, and you had to make a 100-card deck that was, you know, one copy or singleton. Lands were different. There's other special corner cases and, you know, other cards, I think like Chittering Rats and um, there's a new Rats card and then uh, Dark Apostles, one I know of pretty well. Uh, they say you can have any number of these in your deck. So you can have up to 99 of those cards in your deck if you truly wanted to. It's probably not going to be a functional deck, but you can do that if you wanted to. So, you know, that's the game plan they were going with. Instead of 20 life to start off, you're playing with 40 life. 
And the other caveat they kind of had in there was it was more of a multiplayer focused format there at the start where they would have, you know, three or four people all just round together playing. And it would help out with the power level because you're playing with bigger spells, you're playing with bigger decks, there's less of a chance for you to draw your cards. You know, there's a 1 in 99 chance that you're going to draw the card that you want on your first go versus the 1 in 60 chance, which is much easier to get to a degree. And it's a little bit less for bringing multiples of cards. Anyway, that was kind of where their idea was. So after they made it, it gained a lot of popularity, started getting a lot of steam, and then eventually Wizards of the Coast caught on and said, hey, this would be a great idea where we can just use a lot of the cards we have and make it our own. So they changed the name. They made it Commanders, and it is the sponsor Wizards of the Coast um, format that it is now today. They make sponsored products for it, um, and now instead of just Elder Dragons leading the deck, any legendary creature is now allowed to lead the deck. You're still playing with 40. There's still emphasis on the multiplayer aspect, but nowadays you also have people that play competitive EDH where it is a 1v1 style game, or at least you're making decks that are really just blatantly really good, where you have a ton of tutors, where you're looking things up, finding all the key pieces you need, and just destroying your opponent. And so there are some broken commanders out there, and yes, Wizards of the Coast did print some of those broken commanders, so balance doesn't always go in play, but now and nowadays, we are seeing more sets coming out where they have commander good cards, the commander-specific cards, things that, you know, mention every player, each player, each opponent, this happens or a trigger happens. So, yeah, that's one cool thing with EDH. It has pretty good support out there, and honestly, I would say it's probably one of the top casual formats out there. So it's a lot of ton, ton of fun to play, and it's a pretty easy one to kind of change your decks up too. Because if you're one of those guys that says, "Hey, you know, I'm just gonna go buy like one or two new booster packs from the set because I just want to have a little bit of a taste of this different plane that we visited," you can definitely do that if you wanted to, um, rather than just going out and buying the single, which technically you could still do. But you go buy a booster pack, and then you're gonna get like one copy of a card. Well, guess what? You can only use that one copy of a card in your deck. So it doesn't really matter. You don't have to go out and buy a whole play set of these things. If you happen to pull a $13 card out of your three or $4 pack, well, now you've got one copy. That's all you really need for the deck that you want to put it into. So that's kind of Elder Dragon Highlander. That's some of the pros for it. The con, I would say, just to let you guys know and be aware, if you are one of the guys like myself who want to play more and more games in one sitting, so if you want to have like a magic game night with your friends and you say, hey, I want to play like five or six games in a few hours, then this is probably not the format for you. This one is more along the lines. I've had commander games go anywhere from lasting 30 minutes. That's, and that's really short. That was like somebody blowing the table out of the water. Um, and I've had some last up to like six hours before. I've heard of other people going longer than that, so I'm not going to tote that. Oh, yeah, this is great. But uh, my longest, my, that six-hour one, I was, we started at midnight, which was already a bad idea. And I was teaching two brand-new people who I just taught the basic rules of magic and then threw a couple of my extra decks and said, hey, I'm going to teach you how to play commanders now. And we pretty much played until they had to go to church was kind of how the, uh, the function went there. So that probably wasn't the best idea as far as when we started and who I was teaching right out the gate, but it was still a lot of fun and they had a lot of fun with it too. And I really got their magic bug kind of bit at that point. So what do you want to do if you want to start playing commanders? Well, you're going to need a deck first of all, and probably some friends to play with too. So I would rather find an established play group that is willing to let you join them 
And, you know, I know it could be a little nerve-wracking at first, but it can be really helpful to find a lot of seasoned players that can teach you the ropes of the game and kind of help usher you into it so you can learn some of the nuances and also get to see everybody else's cards and figure out, ooh, I really like the style of that deck or that one or that one. And you might be able to have just a friend that's willing to offer you a deck. I myself, I have five commander decks built right now. I am totally cool with lending most of them out. There's one of them that's kind of my expensive deck that I'm not really willing to let other people play just because it is so expensive. Probably only my truest friends will ever get to touch that deck. Um, but that's kind of along the lines of, you know, find an established play group. I guarantee somebody there has an extra deck that you can try out and try the format in the first place to see if you're even going to like it or not. You can also go look and find a local gaming store, a friendly local gaming store, where you can learn how to play the game. There's usually tons of people out there playing, and honestly, I think Magic the Gathering's kind of had a pretty heavy hand across all the local gaming stores across the U.S. Um, everywhere I see, I see different Magic the Gathering posters. They usually have tournaments, and even the most casual of play stores, I've noticed, have, like, commander formats. So... It's up to you. You can try that out if you want to, and maybe see if somebody's willing to teach you there. Otherwise, you can foster your own play group, and that's kind of what I've done as well in most of my life, is I try to find people who I think might be interested in playing and bringing them into the fold and teaching them that way, and us having just a small little group and get together and say, hey, here's some decks. Let's play some games. For me, though, um, as I do like to teach a lot of newer players, again, it's harder to teach Commander to people versus just teaching a standard 60 card deck. That consistency is a lot easier to use and you can also hone your decks to be maybe more like creature based or you know, sorcery focused if need be, whereas commanders, you kinda wanna be as flexible as possible because anybody can throw anything at you. So after you get that figured out and, and like who you're playing with and where you're playing, you wanna get some decks. And there's two different routes to go. You can either buy a deck or you can build a deck. If you're gonna buy a deck, there's really two options I'd recommend. The first one is go get yourself a Commander Precon. It's a pre-constructed deck put out by Wizards of the Coast. You can literally find these things almost anywhere. You can find them online, you can find them at your local gaming store, you can find them at Walmart and Targets, which is pretty cool. It's really accessible and I know a lot of friends that bought some dusty boxes off of the counters and said, oh yeah, I'm going to run this deck and they had a lot of fun with them too. And I think since 2013, I think that's whenever they started printing those things. Since 2013, they've had a commander set for every single year. Some have different themes built into them. I think they've hit just about every color pair you could imagine nowadays. Anything from monocolor planeswalkers all the way up to five color decks. They've got you covered on that side. And it's nice because you buy it and it gives you a hundred card decks. And so now you got technically the equity in your deck right there saying, oh, I spent this money. Here's what I have. And you pay it, you get a hundred card deck. You get usually one to three commanders that are usable as your commander. And then you have 99 other cards that will be a feasible deck for you. I do recommend doing some tweaking and some tuning to these decks. I, I've bought a Mariner Clan Eltoth. That was my first commander that I bought myself. And she was great. She was great right out of the box. And uh, yeah, I made some few tweaks, added some different pieces that would make the deck a little bit better. And got rid of some cards that kind of weren't really good in my opinion in the deck. But that was after I became a seasoned builder. I played that deck right out of the box for the longest time. So don't feel bad if you're one of those players. I know some guys that they have never made a change to their pre-constructed deck ever. 
The other option when you're buying is you can also go look at your local gaming store and see if they happen to have, you know, like custom made decks. I bought a Niv-Miz at the Firemind deck from my local gaming store down in Oklahoma, and I loved it. I, I think I paid like $50 for it, but it had more money in the cards and more synergies compared to what the pre-con had in it. Um, it did have Mizzix in there, and it had Malrec in there, so I think they did take some pieces from the pre-con from there, but... It was mainly built around if Miss the Firemind. It's all about drawing those cards and dealing that direct damage wherever you could. And there was some cool thematic cards that dealt specifically with if Miss the Firemind on there. Um, I think it was Invoke the Firemind was one of those. It's not like a super good card, but it's pretty cool thematically when you're working it in there with your Niv Mizzet. But at that point, if you're a little bit more of a hipster like me and you say, hey, I don't want to play every pre-con that's come out, you know, I don't want to run this deck, I want to do something different, bring a different legendary creature to the battlefield, well then maybe go that route, especially if you don't have the time, energy to really focus on building a deck yourself or willingness to learn it, go ahead and do that if you need to. I got a lot of good cards out of that, and even though I don't have that specific Niv Mizzet deck anymore, I still have a lot of the key pieces that came out of that deck that I use for my commander decks now. So, buying, that's the couple ways I would say go through and buy your deck. Um, technically, you can go buy singles if you want to and build your deck that way, but that's more kind of on the fine line of just building your deck. So, we'll go ahead and we'll jump into that here. So, building your deck, there's a couple different ways to go about this. Actually, there's several different ways to go about this, um, and I can't necessarily do it enough justice. Honestly, there's a lot of different podcasts that go specifically on constructing and building commander's decks um and honestly one of the best ones i think of is command zone podcast um jimmy and josh are fantastic they had a great episode around um it was the commander template is what they said where essentially you had to have 10 mana ramp 10 card draw you know and then you had a combination of enabling pieces that enabled your commander and the rest of the deck to work and then just really like standalone good cards that were kind of big threats when you dropped them on the board. And I think that's a really good comparison. I've used that percentage, like whenever I did Oathbreaker, um, which I only have one of those anymore, and Brawl, that became really useful for me to use as far as their template on that side. So they're gonna teach you like the foundations, the fundamentals of it. They probably have better advice than I have because they've been doing the podcast for so many years and they have so many different people that collaborate with them that help out with you know bringing more to the channel when they can. So the reason why I reference, you know, this method of using your commander as the focal point for your deck as your most important piece is because it it truly is. I mean, your commander determines your color identity. It also, depending on what they have, determines the theme of your deck. Your commander is the one consistent piece that every game you're going to go to, whether you draw good cards or not, you will always have that commander there and available to you. If you like the way that a commander, you know, works, or you like their colors, or you like the way they look, whatever drew you to that commander, go ahead and pick him, and then build a deck around them. You know, for example, I have a Geist of St. Traff deck. It was a Tiny Leaders deck that I ended up developing into a commander's deck because nobody plays Tiny Leaders anymore. Um, I, you know, the focus on him is he's all about putting him on the battlefield. He's hexproof, so he's not targetable by your opponent's spells and abilities. But he is weak to Wraths, which is where they just do, like, kill everything kind of thing. Um, 
So what I like to do is soup him up with a bunch of different equipment and make him indestructible if I can and or make him just super powerful, you know, or or maybe just have counter spells set up to protect him. It's a, it's what's called a Voltron deck. And so you essentially you suit him up with a bunch of different equipment and then take down opponents using this giant spirit that makes angels if need be. I also did have a token theme in there with angels at one point where I made a guy's sing trash token deck, which was all about making angels. Um, especially after Divine Visitation, I think is what it was called. It was a five-mana enchantment from uh, War of the Spark. Is it the War of the Spark? It, were, it was the... Um, I think it was either War of the Spark or it was the set that was Ravnica, the most recent Ravnica set. Anyway, you put it on the battlefield, and any time a token went into the battlefield, you get to put a 4-4 Flying Vigilance token on the battlefield. So, guys, to see traps angel whenever he makes it whenever he attacks it disappears at the end of the uh at the end of combat however when you use divine visitation you replace that token with a different token and that one does not leave the battlefield which is pretty cool i i really dig that so i mean that was something that i was doing a little bit playing around with and just doing a token theme where i just made a giant angel of armies or army of angels with guys of saint traft but also made him a really powerful threat so i can take down opponents you might have somebody else, like I talked about Marin, Clan Toth, where she is focused around, you know, the graveyard. So she wants creatures to die, so she gets experience counters, and then she wants to bring creatures back from the graveyard. So you want to have big, dumb creatures in the graveyard that usually either have an enter the battlefield ability or have an ability when they die, and just keep doing that over and over and over again. You're just going to gain value using that commander, so you build a deck around that specific commander. Riku 2 Reflections is one of my favorites right now, where... You know, he is a awesome card. He has two functions. You can either create extra tokens of creatures or you can copy spells on the stack if you need to. And uh, so you play instant sorcery, copy the spell, you get to repeat it. Things like fireball, you get to copy that X value too. So you can deal, you know, one of those things is like maybe 20 fireball damage, which is very easy in commander to reach. And then you can copy that for a blue and a red. And now you get to do another 20 fireball damage to either the same opponent or a different one altogether. So... That is, um, that's kind of building your deck around that commander. Find something that you find is cool and then build the deck around them. Find key pieces. EDH Rec is a wonderful site. So it's E's in Echo, D's in Delta, H is in Houston, R is in Romeo, E is in Echo, and then C as in Charlie.com. EDH Rec is phenomenal because you can jump on there, you can see what commanders, you can look up specific commanders. So like, if you like Riku 2 Reflections, you can look up Riku 2 Reflections, see what cards are being played with him and what's synergistic with him too. And you might find some cool things that you didn't find, but you might be able to find through your bend and say, oh yeah, I've got all these cards available to me. Some of these work, some of these don't. Um, so you can build the deck that way. Otherwise, you can also focus on saying, okay, well, let's start with the process of what cards do I have available? What do I have the most of? And then go find a commander to support those cards. If you have a bunch of red and blue cards that are singleton, then maybe go build yourself an Izzet deck and find yourself an Izzet commander that might work well. You might find an Izzet commander that likes artifacts better if you have a ton of artifacts or maybe likes instance of sorceries better if you have a bunch of instance of sorceries. So you can use what your collection has and find a legendary creature to fit as your commander and build around it that way. 
But anyway, that's all I've got for today. Um, Hopefully this one actually works out and I appreciate you guys listening. And until the next time, you be good to yourselves, be good to others, and we'll see you on the next Magic Monday. If you have questions, comments, concerns, hit me up at thejhamspecial at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me at thejhamspecial on Twitter, which is the official Twitter and email for this podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye.